So, you've received your black belt. Now what? Find out in this episode as we talk about what the journey may be like for those that have actually received a Kobukai Jiu-Jitsu black belt. From the dojo to the octagon, we bring you the Jiu-Jitsu Master Podcast! Welcome to another edition of the Jiu-Jitsu Master Podcast. This is your co-host, Sri Pendikala. And with me is co-host Shihan Russ St. Hilaire, 7th degree black belt in Kobukai Jiu-Jitsu. How are you this weekend, Shihan? I am doing great, and it's great to be back doing another podcast with you. It sure is. We've been focusing on the vast majority of podcasts prior to this on the journey towards black belt, predominantly from a student's perspective, i.e. my own. Additionally, we've been providing education to newcomers and supplemental knowledge to Kobukai students and other avid listeners. I wanted to take a moment, though, to do an episode that goes beyond Kobukai and beyond even the black belt, because there's really not a written and structured journey for a martial artist once attaining a black belt. What are your thoughts on that? That's true. I think each art uh, has a path usually, that they set for their black belts. It's usually focused around technique and and teaching, which is, of course, an important part of that. But I also think that there is a a personal journey that goes on beyond uh, getting your black belt. And it also sort of depends on the type of school you're involved in. If you're in one that's, you know, a competitive sport type school, it might be one track. If you're a little bit uh, more of a traditional self-defense type school, it might be another track. Maybe we can start with what are the different paths one can take after attaining a black belt? I mean, there's different paths, right? Like, you can stop training, you can go teach, maybe move to another system or style. Some people do it to join the service, right? Or to go into security even, or maybe just to seek out knowledge and wisdom. So I don't know if there's a right or wrong re- uh, reason here, but maybe you can talk about some of the different paths one can take. Sure. I would say the vast majority, unfortunately, are are the first one that you mentioned. Um, I think they stop training. I think a a black belt, especially in uh, the Western world, is seen as um, a sign of achievement. Uh, It's something that's like maybe a bucket list for somebody. Um, I know that there are uh, parents that I've talked to that, you know, think of attaining the black belt as something to put on on a resume um, to show that you can really stick with something and you've achieved something. So for a lot of people, I feel like it's, it's an end point. It's like graduating college and you getting, you know, your diploma and there it is, you know, I'm a black belt and I achieved it. And now I move on to my next thing that I want to pursue. So I would say the vast majority, um, go down that path and maybe they stick around for a while. You know, maybe they, they're excited to see a couple new techniques, maybe, you know, to walk around as a black belt in the school but I, I think over time, and usually not that long of a period of time, the people will, will move on to other entertainments, I guess you would say. But then, then there are those who are in the sporting you know, venue. So attaining their black belt now puts them into a completely different category uh, of who their competitors are going to be. Certainly moves them into higher level competitions. Um, you know, you're certainly more recognized. 
And often, you know, if you're in the competitive jujitsu world, you might move from school to school and teacher to teacher to try to pick up the latest and greatest trick. That might be the way that, uh, that goes, or, or you become an instructor in a competitive school or set of schools. So I've seen that, that track happen. Uh, and then in the more traditional or self-defense focused world, um, there's probably a, a longer arc to that after black belt track than in other arts. Um, but before I get into that, I did want to mention, you did uh, mention, you know, the military, uh, you know, so I think maybe going to the military or um, into law enforcement, something like that, I think will, uh, you know, getting a black belt in a serious self-defense art is something that's helpful. And maybe they feel when they've achieved that and they can truly, you know, defend themselves now that mentally they're prepared to go into law enforcement or the military. So you're right. That is a, that is a possibility, but let's talk a little bit about the world we live in. Um, and we've spent all of our time in, which is in that self-defense traditional, uh, Japanese focus type dojo and training. And I see a couple of things happening. Um, I do see the, uh, the people who, who kind of stop training, um, you know, maybe they train from time to time because they've made such great relationships, but you know, it's sporadic and, and they come and go when they feel like it, um, which is fine. You know, they, they've earned their black belt and they're, you know, staying involved with the dojo and, you know, staying involved with their social group and, and that sort of thing. And typically those people, you know, they won't really progress further down the ranks or really master <clears throat> any of the techniques that are sort of after black belt, but they're friends and they're, they're black belts and they stay around. So I think that's, that's one path. Another path would be, uh, those who want to start training in other martial arts, but they want to stay affiliated with their school. So they're there, right? They, they show up maybe once, twice, three, four times a month just to make sure that they, you know, keep, keep training and keep learning there. Um, but they also want to train in some other martial arts to make themselves more, you know, well-rounded martial artists. And as you know, you know, we have a rule in our Kobukai dojos that you can't study at another dojo while you're studying at ours below the rank of black belt. Um, that is just to keep the students focused on one way of doing things so that they can make that journey to black belt. But after black belt, absolutely having permission to go and train in other arts. And I've seen people, um, black belts in our school do that very successfully. Some have moved on to, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the traditional sense or even in the competitive sense. Uh, some have moved on to doing uh, Aikido or the Aiki arts, some into judo. Um, <clears throat> I don't know of anybody that's moved into striking arts fully. Uh, they, they seem to stick with arts where their skills that they learned in jujitsu still apply and then they can, they can add to it, but it's good for them to take that journey sometimes for the right person and the right art to give them a broader knowledge of, uh, or an in-depth knowledge of what they know. Um, and then there's those that just stay with the dojo. You know, they, um, hang around, they train, they learn their charts, they aid uh, the chief instructor, they help them out with, uh, with classes or cover when the chief instructor can't make it. And then, um, you know, they continue to progress uh, through the ranks to a point. Um, maybe some of them become licensed teachers, maybe others just, you know, enjoy being there and, and giving back to the dojo. And I think that's great. And then there's those who really, really strive to have their own place. And so, you know, after their training at their 
home dojo for another three, four, five years after their black belt, you know, maybe they've become extremely interested in teaching and running a dojo and then, you know, they, they go down that path. Those are some of the paths that I see that a black belt can take. However, I think there's a bigger journey than just sort of the mechanics that I just talked about. So I'm interested in, you know, you are, are going through the journey, not quite to black belt yet at this point, but you certainly know a lot and see a lot of the black belts. You know, how have, how have you seen, what, what does it look like to you as you see these black belts being promoted and, and what happens afterwards? And like you said, I see a variety of different paths people have taken. I've seen some folks uh, work really hard and they get their black belt and they stick around for a little while and then they move on. They do other things, uh, sometimes completely unrelated to to martial arts. Others come back occasionally, and uh, like you said, you know they they remain friends. I think they all remain friends. Also, decide to spend a lot of time and become ingrained in a certain dojo or or school, and they decide to give back. It's, that's what it feels like, at least. I'm not sure if they are getting paid or anything like that, but I feel like it's very altruistic uh, and very different than the Western mentality of, of like a business, I guess, uh, or even teaching itself. I mean, some people do it for a noble cause, but others, you know, they do it because of the pension and benefits that you <laughs> get. Right, right. Well, that's one of the things that's interesting about, uh, you know, the traditional martial arts in particular is I'm sure there are cases where someone can take those traditional martial arts and become part of a large organization and run a very large and successful dojo and make a living from it. But that's like very, very few people. I would say most of this just becomes a labor of love. Uh, it's one of the few things that, you know, you do that's very, very difficult mentally and physically for years and years and get very little I would say visible reward from sure you get your black belt or, you know, you get a diploma or whatever, and maybe even, you know, start teaching at your own place. Most of it is just, you know, for your, the, the love of the art really, and the history and, you know, the camaraderie that you make as being part of traditional jujitsu and sort of the fascination with the science. I think a lot of that keeps people around, but there's certainly not a lot of tangible reward for doing that other than, you know, your joints and, your lower back and neck start to hurt after years and years. It's probably tangible, but I don't know if it's a reward. <laughs> <Not really>. uh, <laughs> so yeah, a lot of people do that just for the love, love of the, uh, of the art and being part of the warrior arts, uh, that keeps them around. And I think that leads to talking about the other part of that journey, which for those people that are fascinated with the art that stick around for a very, very long time, th this is why I think they do it. I'm taking that some of that, uh, from my own experience, but also from what other people who have been at it for a long time have told me. And that is um, the fascination with the science of jujitsu is that you understand it in layers over time. And so let's just talk about, you get to your black belt right now, if we're talking about our school in particular, I'm sure it's different at other jujitsu schools, but you know, we go through about 200 techniques that are um, throwing and ground grappling and uh, self-defense scenarios against, you know, unarmed people and armed people 
and arresting and restraint techniques, um, striking, bone breaking, all of that stuff, right? And so we learn that 200 techniques and we test along the way and we get better and better at them and and we get our black belt and that's a, a huge, huge achievement because the test is so incredibly difficult and the training is incredibly difficult. But then you still have to come back the next uh, class, you know, and you show up and you're wearing your black belt and that's pretty cool and people are giving you lots of congratulations and, you know, maybe there's another black belt who didn't make it to your test that sees you and gives you the congratulatory throw or whatever. But then pretty much it's just getting back at it, right? You just get back in there and you start training. And I'll say for the black belts, you know, it's not like you come into class and like all you work on is black belt stuff. Actually, if you come back as a black belt, maybe you work on it twice a month, maybe, because most of the time you're helping out in class, you're still working out with the other brown belts and blue belts and uh, the other people that are there in class, and you're just continuing to train. So that kind of sounds boring. Like, why would you do it? And I think the reason they do it is because what I was talking about is that those layers of understanding, um, you know, having seen people do this for a really long time, I think the depth of understanding of your techniques comes about two years after you've learned those techniques. So that would mean a black belt who has spent the last year to year and a half doing brown belt is nowhere near really understanding even the first depth of that layer of understanding of brown belt. As a matter of fact, they're probably just really starting to peel the onion around blue belt and getting that understanding. And so if you're somebody that's fascinated with the science, you know, when you're looking at blue belt, what you did three years ago and you're like, Hmm, I'm just starting to understand like the Nagi chart at blue belt and you're a black belt. I think that's really where that, that fascination keeps people around for a long time. So over time as a black belt, you know, maybe now you're a black belt for five years. You're really just starting to understand the whole curriculum below black belt. You're really understanding how the techniques work and how they are intertwined and why we do them in the history. You're, you're really just starting to break through those first few layers of understanding. So, with that in mind, you know, this lifelong pursuit where you're a black belt for 10, 15, 20 years is really just getting into deeper and deeper layers of understanding of of the techniques that you already learned up to black belt. And then plus there's a whole bunch of other techniques that we learn after black belt. So it's this ongoing life learning journey that you take that I really think uh, is the important part of what happens after black belt. There's some mysticism associated with after reaching a black belt. And I think you're maybe talking about some of that, but I've also heard things like uh, once you have a black belt, that's when the real secrets are revealed. Is, is that kind of what you're getting at here, or is there some something to that, something else to that? Uh, so that's great that you said that, um, you know, after black belt, that's when the real secrets are revealed. I would say after black belt, that's when the real learning starts. And I really equate this to getting your bachelor's degree in, say, you know, business management and then going to work for a company and that realizing that you've got to learn all new stuff because what you learned in college was all the basic underlying foundation of what it takes to actually operate on a daily basis in the real life business world. But then you actually have to go do that and you have to figure out how all of those tactics that you learn now apply to real life. 
Um, so it's an eye opener and, and somebody that leaves with a bachelor's degree in business management might spend another five to 10 years before they're actually pretty good at what they do. So I, I equate that to the same thing. Um, you certainly start learning and understanding how much more you have to learn once you get your black belt. As far as secrets are concerned, well, one of the biggest secrets is uh, you've really just built a foundation and you still don't really actually know what you're talking about. You do somewhat, but the big revelation, the big secret is like, holy cow, I really have a lot to learn. However, there are things that I would say we could call secrets, not because there are secrets in the way we think of secret, but because we don't specifically go out and teach them to people under black belt, typically because they're very, very dangerous techniques. Um, you know, not, not any harder to do, but much, much more dangerous to receive. And it takes three, four five years to become good enough at receiving techniques to even play around with those techniques. So I think there's that. I think there's techniques that we don't show below black belt because they're great techniques. They put you in historical context. They're combat techniques that might be used by soldiers. But I really wouldn't want to waste anybody's time below black belt in going and teaching these things because there's so much stuff that you need to know as a foundation. Um, I don't want to waste people's time with that. I, I want to make sure that if somebody comes and they quit after a year or two years or three years, they, I mean, they've got great, strong self-defense techniques and can protect themselves in the street, which is all that really matters to me. So again, part of that is not that it's secret. It's just that we're not going to show you because we don't want to waste your time on you know playing around with handbow techniques or knife to knife techniques when literally you need to be much more worried about somebody sticking you up at an ATM machine or somebody grabbing your shirt and punching you in the face or dragging you out of your car or something like that. That's that's what you really need to worry about. And then thirdly, I guess some of the combat techniques, uh, some of the ways that I would say are killing type techniques, neck breaks and spine breaks and things that damage arteries and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Knife to knife fighting, uh, some of the old, old traditional Japanese stuff like Hanbo and, and uh, you know, using the katana and the wakazashi and the tanto and, and those type of things. Again, it's not like they're secret. It's just that we just don't show them. We just don't show them to the people under black belt because, again, it's it's too advanced. You, you really need to get that foundation to even understand what we're talking about at that level. And when I say advanced, yeah, they are advanced techniques, but it's not like they make you any, you know, batter ass in the street. You, by the time you're a black belt, you already know what you need to know to defend yourself. But they, there, there is more, there is more depth and there is more knowledge. And the other thing too is, you know, I spent a really, really long time learning these things from some really great instructors who had spent their whole life learning these things. And I need to have a long time relationship with somebody and really trust them uh, before I start showing them some of these things. You know, it's it's more like I felt like they were a gift when they were given to me because I put in so much time and effort and was very loyal and um, just really gave my all to it that I felt like some of my instructors said, okay, you know. I get it. I trust this guy. I'm going to show him some of this stuff. And I and I feel the same way. I, I just want to give it to the most trusted people, um, which in some way would be exactly the way warriors would have done it back in Japan because you don't want people you don't trust knowing really super, super deadly techniques that could, you know, they could just dispatch you with. Um, you know, that's not the world we live in anymore. But 
I, I still feel there's a little bit uh, of that. And I tell some of the black belts when we, you know, have a session and we go through some of our more advanced stuff. I'm like, listen, guys, like, don't don't go showing this to anybody. Not not that it's the technique that's important that you do or don't show. It's not about that. It's about you guys have trained a really long time and you've earned it, right? You've earned the right to just get some of these things that not everybody is shown. And it's special for you because you're special and trusted people. So that's what I think of when I think about quote unquote secret techniques. Hmm. Well, you're certainly giving me motivation to uh, work towards a black belt. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. I mean, you've you've heard some of the stories, like you know, the black belts out in the woods doing knife to knife techniques with like actual real like knives, and and uh, you know, some hikers coming out of the woods and seeing all these guys flashing blades and doing this stuff, and them sort of stopping in their tracks, like, uh oh, what did we run into? <laughs> um, interesting stuff. Uh, also, stuff that you can get really really hurt on. There are some simple handbow techniques that. Um, you know, just by the nature of them, you know, break your arm, take you down and crush your trachea kind of all in one move. And so, you know, it's not like we can even practice them at like, you know, quote unquote martial arts speed. It's stuff that you have to do slowly and, and take it easy because it, it can be pretty dangerous stuff. No. So I hope that answers your questions about secrets. Um, it's just, you know, again, they're not secrets. They're just, have you earned it? Have you put in the work? And, uh, you know, is this stuff too dangerous to show somebody lower than your level of expertise? And or is it really just a waste of time to show somebody who should be just focusing on the basics of self-defense? Okay, I think I get that. How about the knowledge slash spiritual side of martial arts? I mean, if you can characterize it that way, after receiving a black belt, is there more knowledge or, you know, spiritually, does does it open up doors or, or open up your mind? I, I think I, I get where you're going. You know, I would say um, it's really hard when you're talking about Japanese martial arts to use the word spiritual. And I know in the Western world, we we like to talk about that, about things being, you know, a spiritual experience. Um but I'm not sure the Japanese people thought about it in the same way. You know, if you think of their traditional, um, I guess we can call it religion. It's really not a religion. But if you think about Shinto, Shintoism, it's it's sort of about respect and awe for the things of nature and how immense uh, and powerful they are compared to us as humans. And then to also realize you know, your place sort of in the stream of, of life and how you're part of, you know, everybody that came before you and everybody that comes after you, you just happen to be part in that river at this point in time and, and you'll pass and uh, other people will take your place. It's like understanding your place there. So I don't know if that's really spiritual, um, but it's it's something that's beyond sort of the the tactical, I would say, or the tactile. Um, you know, they do see the difference between something being, um, you know, normal, mundane, you know, just basic life stuff and the things that are maybe a little bigger than that, um, the things that uh, philosophically you have to think about to to grasp and understand not that they're not natural um, but they're they're just bigger um, so I would say if you're involved in a Japanese martial art it's more about Satori so Satori is a word to mean enlightenment um, but more than enlightenment it's self 
enlightenment, they have concepts that I would say might be closely related to Buddhism, um, which would be that some of the answers that you find in your life, some of those aha moments, some of the light bulb going off over on your head were of these things that make all the difference in how you think about things have been there the whole time. They've probably even been in your head the whole time. It's just that you've had filters and experiences and relationships and walls and blocks and stuff that had to be moved out of the way to reveal this thing that was already there that maybe you already knew. Um, hard to explain, but that's what a Satori is. It's definitely the aha moment, but not of pure brand new discovery, but of Oh, I never realized that was there the whole time. Wow. I just woke up to that. Um, so I think that kind of spirituality definitely happens uh, over time. I'm not sure a black belt has anything to do with it. I think time and experience has a lot to do with it. I think I know I have and other people have told me they have had lots of aha wow, I didn't think about it that way, kind of moments after Black Belt, specifically about their art, but also about themselves um, as they go through that that journey. And I think one of the biggest ones that people have, uh, I've been told this many, many times, and I've, I've experienced it myself, is as you're learning your martial art, you go through these like phases. And the first one, you know, when you walk in, especially to a self-defense jiu-jitsu is like, Oh my God, what are they doing? And I'm so sore. And why did I make this decision? I must be an idiot. And do I really pay somebody to do this to me? And I don't know what I'm doing. And everybody just mauls me all the time. And then that morphs a little bit as you start learning things to like, Oh, Hey man, I'm, I gotta get this right. I can throw people and I can choke people out. And, and then that turns into, you know, that hyper awareness of like, what if a guy's walking down an alley or you're sitting in, in a meeting in the office looking around the room going, I could take him and I could take him and I could take him. And it starts to be about like using your stuff and like being a badass. And and then you get to like blue and brown belt and you, and you kind of are badass at that point. I mean, you're physically in shape, you know, more than you've ever been in your whole life. You're mentally tough. You can sometimes crush people, but even when you get crushed, it's like, yeah, I could take that, right? I could take that all day long, three, four, five days a week, you know? And, and you just realize, like, wow, I'm pretty tough. But then time continues to move on. And then I think it morphs into something else. First, especially when you start learning the black belt techniques or we start talking about the lower level techniques in a way we haven't talked about them before and you realize how incredibly dangerous they are, Um you start to be like, hmm, I'm not really sure what I would do if I defend myself because, I mean, I really, really could hurt somebody. Like, it's almost like maybe I'll just do like a little bit of Ike or something to kind of take them down to their knees or, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't want to bury somebody onto their head, like, because they were like stupid and fearful enough to attack me and I know all this stuff. Like, I don't really have to do that. So then people start thinking about that and they start thinking about the frailty of the body and, and the frailty of themselves. And then it starts to turn into something else. Um, you know, it's almost like if somebody attacked me, it would be like, you know, if my seven year old cousin attacked me at Christmas, it, you know, I'd wrestle around with him a little bit. I'd toss him to the ground. Maybe, it, you know, slap him around a little bit, just kind of like fun. Like, Hey, you're growing up. Like, and that's what maybe your adult opponents start to feel like in your head. Like I'd, I'd treat them more like that. Um, and then I think the path even continues to the point where, you know, you, you 
I don't know if you'd want to just do anything. Like most situations become walkaway situations, right? Unless somebody had a knife at your throat or was killing your child. I mean, most of it's just like, yeah, dude, whatever. You can have that parking space. You can, you know, you can throw me the bird. You can call me whatever you want. You can probably even shove me and I'd just be like, oh, I'm walking away, right? This is just totally not worth it. So I think as you go through those those situations, um, those are the aha moments as you develop after black belt. Um, and then, you know, I think the final world that you move into is that suddenly this thing that permeated every aspect of your life for years and years and years just doesn't anymore. It's not on your mind. It's, you're not thinking about techniques all the time. Um, because it's become so integrated into what you are that it's not a separate thing. It's just what you are. So maybe you think about it, maybe you don't. Maybe you practice, maybe you don't. Um, maybe sometimes you teach, maybe sometimes you nawaza, but it's not It's not uh, something you do anymore. It's something you are. And I think that's kind of the final, the final step. So, if, I mean, if you want to call that a spiritual journey, I guess you can. Um, but it's, it's a pretty real thing. I, I've, I've seen it happen. You know, after all that, what what would you like if you had your druthers? What would you like a Kobukai black belt to do? Uh, definitely want them to realize the incredible achievement that they have uh, made, that they have done a lot of work, that the um, community of black belts says, I can totally see him as one of us or her as one of us and, you know, awards the black belt as a symbol of, you know, our recognition of how hard you worked and your level of expertise and that you're just a great person and, and that sort of thing. So I definitely want them to, I want them to, you know, just enjoy that moment. Um, and then I want them to just come back and continue to train. And as part of that training, that training is giving back to those who aren't black belts because now they're all looking at you like, wow, he did it or she did it. Maybe I can do it, you know, and then coming to class and helping out and, um, you know, just, just being a great part of the group, I think is really important. And then enjoying your own personal journey as you learn more and you go to, you know, black belt special classes or camp outs or stuff. It's just, just enjoying being part of that group. I think it's really cool when you're a black belt and you, you sit and you watch a black belt test and then you have to go and judge that person. You know, we all go into a separate room and we talk and we, and, you know, kind of judge how the, the test went and doing that for the first time is incredibly eye opening as to how those decisions are made. So I think that's really exciting. And then for some people, I think they uh, maybe are excited to go and, and try another martial art. Uh, I think that's, that would be totally fine too, you know, as long as you don't, you know, leave us completely because we love, love having you around. And then there'll be a few that might want to go on and teach at some point later because their fascination becomes um, not just the techniques, but how to teach the techniques and how to develop students. And that's certainly another level of, of giving back. It's not a better or higher level. It's just a different, a, just a different path to, to want to give back and to want to uh, and to want to teach and, and move that forward. You know, all in all, I want a black belt to realize that what they went through improved their life and be interested in somehow improving someone else's life because of that experience. It doesn't have to specifically be by teaching them jujitsu. It can be a lot of things. But to understand that uh, the giving to other people 
um, is what makes your life great. So, you know, if they can take that kind of stuff away, that would be, uh, that would be wonderful. And I feel like I have done my job. My last question, Shihan, is when does it ever end? Does it ever end? The journey, I mean. Um, I'm going to say no, and here's why. I think even if you get your black belt and you quit at some point, you went through that experience, and that experience changed your life and changed the way you think about things and see things and feel pain and deal with adversity and interact with other people. So that piece of it, I don't think ever ends. It just, it became uh, an important piece of your life. If you're fascinated with the art, I think there's endless opportunity to uh, explore that fascination. Um, It's such an old art. It's so complex um, that, you know, you could just be fascinated with it forever. Uh, I can remember one of my own experiences long after being a black belt um, where uh, Sensei Walt Miller I'm sorry, Sheehan, now Walt Miller, had come to my school um, and, you know, so here I am, I'm running my own school and we got into a discussion with some of the brown belts and black belts about ukewaza. Very simple technique, right? Just basically sit down, extend your leg and throw the person over and take a forward roll. But just on that one technique, uh, through him being a jujitsu black belt and being a judo black belt and having the years uh, of understanding even beyond what I had. I mean, we worked on Ukiwaza for like an hour. And it was so funny to have him demonstrate and then us to go out there and do exactly what he just did and for him to go, no, that's not it. That, that, see, what you're not understanding is, and then blah, blah, blah. And just to say, it doesn't matter where you are along that path. There's just these little nuggets of thousands of years of knowledge that you can still explore and still uh, have a, a depth of understanding that maybe you didn't have the day before. And that's, I think, what keeps people around and fascinated uh, in jujitsu after receiving their black belt. Well, thank you, Shihan. This was a very informative and eye-opening podcast. Well, I hope to do more. Yeah, and I'm and I'm hoping that you know both the people that are below black belt and above black belt um, kind of go through this podcast, listen to it, and then reflect their own journey and and see if there are similarities and help them to understand that this is a, a path that those who stick around get to take um, as a reward for all of their hard work, and that it's something to really really uh, look forward to. So. I know also you have got uh, a very important test coming up soon, and we're all very excited about that. And I hope you're extremely nervous about it, because that's how it should be. Um, and, uh, and we all wish you the, the best of luck. But just like I mentioned about the person who achieves uh, and is a re- rewarded their black belt, they still have to just show up the next day at class, and it's just like it was the day before move on to your new belt or not uh, you're still showing up at class the next day wearing a new belt or not and it's just back to the grind um, which is you know what you do if you're a jujitsuka. <laughs>